This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Say goodbye to performance robbing engine deposits with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Hate to break it to you, but lower grade fuel can leave deposits in your engine that build up over time and leave your engine's performance severely lacking. Thankfully, Shell V-Power Nitro Plus removes up to 100% of performance-robbing deposits with continuous use in gasoline direct injection engine fuel injectors. Download the Shell app today to find your nearest Shell station and rejuvenate your engine with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Fuel up at Shell. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Breaking news tonight, deadlocked, the courtroom bombshell. Jurors at Harvey Weinstein's rape trial asking what to do if they can't reach a verdict on all of the charges. Could the trial end with a hung jury? The breaking news from the campaign trail after that brutal debate, Michael Bloomberg has a change of heart. What he's now saying about those secret agreements he made with women years ago. Plus, who's in the lead on the eve of the Nevada caucuses? Under arrest, the Idaho mom who went on vacation after her children disappeared is behind bars tonight. Why did police finally move in months after her kids went missing? The growing anger over coronavirus. Protesters attack buses filled with people evacuated from China as fear over the deadly virus spreads. Plus the new warning tonight from the CDC. Intelligence fallout. The president lashes out, blasting intel from his own government after officials tell Congress that Russia is interfering in this year's election. What CBS News is learning about that closed-door briefing. Royal name change, the big announcement from Prince Harry and Meghan, what they now won't be calling themselves. Hailed as a hero, she ran into an inferno to rescue a dying man just days after she gave birth. If I can do anything to save that life, I'm going to. And Steve Hartman goes on the road with a boy who shares a special bond with the pets no one else wants. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening, and thank you so much for joining us. We're going to begin tonight with breaking news from Harvey Weinstein's rape trial. Late today, jurors suggested they may be deadlocked on two of the most serious charges against the movie mogul. 
In a note to the judge overseeing the month-long trial, the jurors asked if they had to reach a unanimous verdict on all of the counts against the former Hollywood producer. The allegations against Weinstein launched the Me Too movement, prompting women across the country to speak out and reveal accusations against powerful men. Jerika Duncan leads off our coverage tonight from outside the courthouse. Harvey Weinstein left court today, his fate still in the hands of the jury. After four days of deliberating, jurors indicated this afternoon they could be close to reaching a verdict. In their 11th note to the judge, they had a question regarding the five felony counts Weinstein is facing. Can we be hung on one and or three and unanimous on the other charges? Charges one and three are the most serious, predatory sexual assault and carry up to life in prison. The defense and prosecution could not agree on accepting a partial verdict, so Judge James Burke told the jury to keep at it. It is not uncommon for a jury to believe that they will never be able to reach a unanimous verdict, but after further deliberations, most jurors, he said, are able to reach a unanimous verdict. CBS News legal analyst Ricky Kleeman. If Harvey Weinstein is convicted of any of the three counts, he is facing really serious time in prison because these are serious felonies. Weinstein is accused of sexually assaulting his former production assistant, Miriam Halle, in 2006. He is also charged with raping aspiring actress Jessica Mann in 2013. Deliberations will continue on Monday morning for a fifth day. Now, Weinstein has maintained all along that he says the relationships he's had with his accusers are consensual. And Nora, no matter what happens here in Manhattan, Harvey Weinstein still faces sexual assault charges in Los Angeles. All right, Jerika, thank you. Now to the 2020 campaign on the eve of tomorrow's Nevada caucuses. A new poll shows Bernie Sanders with a big lead over his Democratic rivals in the Silver State. And tonight, Michael Bloomberg is scrambling to explain allegations of sexist comments toward women who have worked for him. Under intense pressure to release his former employees from non-disclosure agreements. What we need to know is exactly what's lurking out there. Michael Bloomberg announced today that his company had identified three women who signed NDAs over comments he made, and they would be able to talk about their allegations. He added, I recognize that NDAs promote a culture of silence in the workplace and contribute to a culture of women not feeling safe. The former New York mayor continues to take fire from all sides. President Trump, speaking here in Las Vegas and hoping to muddle the Democratic message, mocked Bloomberg's last debate performance, which was widely panned. Any Mike, he was a beauty. What happened? Huh? Nevada frontrunner Bernie Sanders also took aim at Bloomberg in an interview that will air Sunday on 60 Minutes. Do you see Michael Bloomberg being able to build a, a movement? You're not asking that in a serious... Yes, I think he will have a very strong movement of the billionaires rallying around Michael Bloomberg. Beyond that, not so much. Meanwhile, much of the rest of the Democratic field is worried Sanders, who also leads in national polls, could soon become unstoppable. We could be just a week and a half away uh, from Bernie Sanders having a dominating lead uh, in this process. And uh, even though he's got a very strong base of support, that's clearly not what most Democrats want. Already 75,000 people have voted early here in Nevada, nearly as many as caucused four years ago. But because they'll be using iPads to tabulate vote totals tomorrow, there's a chance for the same math and technology problems that plagued the Iowa caucus just a few weeks ago. 
Nora. All right, Ed, thank you. And this programming note, Gail King and I will moderate the next Democratic presidential debate from Charleston, South Carolina, Tuesday night at 8 Eastern time. And we're interested in your questions for the candidates. You can submit them on Twitter by using the hashtag DemDebate. Tonight, prosecutors in Hawaii are calling the mother of two missing children a flight risk. Lori Vallow just made her first court appearance after being arrested on felony charges in this bizarre case. It began in Idaho and spans multiple states over several months and includes three mysterious deaths of family members. Jonathan Vigliotti reports tonight from Kauai. Lori Vallow is spending tonight in a Kauai jail cell, her bail set at $5 million. For months, Vallo has been living in Hawaii with her new husband, Chad Daybell, whose sources tell CBS News was also questioned by police. He was not arrested. Police have said Vallo and Daybell have lied about the children's whereabouts. I want to know where JJ and Tylee are and whatever they have to do to give the, us as family members that closure. Annie Cushing is Tylee Ryan's aunt. Hopefully she will come to the conclusion that just coming clean will be the best path for her because Lori is only going to act in the best interest of Lori. Vallow faces several serious charges, deserting her children and delaying legal attempts to locate them, each count carrying a possible 14 years in prison. Another charge, contempt of court for not physically producing her children to authorities in Idaho as ordered. Authorities are also investigating three suspicious deaths connected to the couple. Daybell's wife, Tammy, Vallow's estranged husband, Charles, and Vallow's brother, Alex Cox, who killed Charles and later died of unknown causes himself. But for Cushing, the children come first. We still potentially have a long road ahead of us, but we are hopefully one step closer to finding Tylee and JJ. And CBS News has just learned more from investigators about what led up to Lori Vallow's arrest. Her financial records reveal not a penny has been spent on child care since they disappeared in September. Prescriptions for JJ's autism medication have also gone unfilled. Lori Vallow is fighting this extradition. Her next court appearance is set for March 2nd. Nora. So many more details to be learned in this investigation. Jonathan, thank you. Tonight, the CDC is calling the coronavirus a tremendous health threat. It's now working with state and local health officials to make sure that hospitals, pharmacies, and medical supply companies can meet the demands of a potential pandemic. The virus has killed more than 2,200 people and infected nearly 77,000 worldwide. Carter Evans has more on the growing threat. Protesters set fires in the streets of Ukraine to block buses carrying evacuees from China. Fear and the coronavirus itself is spreading rapidly around the world, with infections now in more than 30 countries. Authorities are disinfecting streets in South Korea, where confirmed cases doubled overnight. At a mass wedding in the Philippines, more than 200 couples exchanged vows, all wearing masks. Back in the U.S., infected evacuees are being transferred to specialized biocontainment hospitals. This as the number of confirmed cases jumps to 34. And today, for the first time, CDC doctors said in a telephone briefing they're bracing for the possibility of the virus spreading across the U.S. We are working to ready our public health workforce to respond to local cases and the possibility this outbreak could become a pandemic. And now, an urgent new warning from the State Department. Avoid traveling by cruise ship around Asia. 
The CDC says all American evacuees from the Diamond Princess are at high risk, and they expect more to test positive. So far, there have only been two person-to-person -person transmissions of the virus here in the U.S. Nora? All right, Carter, thank you. American intelligence officials have been clear Vladimir Putin's government is still trying to meddle in American elections. Tonight, CBS News has learned Bernie Sanders' campaign was told the Russians have been working to help his campaign. But it's this closed-door briefing to update members of Congress that has ignited a firestorm, with President Trump publicly questioning the judgment of the traditionally independent intelligence community. Paula Reed reports tonight from the White House. President Trump today blasted assessments by his own intelligence officials that Russia wants to see him reelected. Here we go again. Did you see it? Officials from several agencies briefed the House Intelligence Committee last week. This was a broad, multi-agency briefing in which U.S. officials told lawmakers that Russia was continuing to interfere in the U.S. elections and that it had established a preference for Donald Trump. Sources say lawmakers pushed back and wanted to see the underlying intelligence. And President Trump was furious when he found out about the briefing. I was told that was happening. I, I was told a week ago, they said, you know, they're trying to start a rumor. It's disinformation. President Trump this week ousted Navy veteran Joseph McGuire as acting director of national intelligence, replacing him with U.S. Ambassador to Germany Richard Grinnell, a vocal Trump supporter with no previous intelligence experience. Grinnell's new deputy is another Trump loyalist, Cash Patel, who's been told to clean house. Just today, the fifth top official since August announced he was leaving. If you have somebody at the top who is overly responsive to the president, you're not going to get that kind of unbiased information. And it's very, very, very dangerous for national security. Today, Bernie Sanders revealed that he has been briefed on Russian efforts to boost his campaign. And this is nothing new. Mueller investigation found that the Russians also worked back in 2016 to boost the Sanders campaign and the campaign of then-candidate Trump. Nora. All right, Paula, thank you. There's a big announcement tonight from Prince Harry and his wife, Meghan. After long discussions with the Queen, the couple has given up on plans to use the term Sussex Royal when they promote themselves on Instagram and their website. Harry and Meghan formally stepped down as senior members of the royal family at the end of next month. Tonight, prosecutors in New York City are taking a fresh look at the assassination of Malcolm X, which took place exactly 55 years ago. New evidence from a Netflix documentary is raising questions about whether two men were sent to prison for murder they did not commit. Maurice Dubois takes a look. The six-part documentary presents new facts about Malcolm X's assassination and claims the police botched the investigation. The official count of who killed Malcolm X, it's not true. Malcolm X, alienated from the Nation of Islam, was killed in a barrage of bullets as he was about to give a speech in Harlem on this very day in 1965. Pandemonium broke out among the nearly 400 people gathered inside the Audubon Ballroom. The chaos spilled out onto the sidewalk, where one suspect, Talmadge Hayer, had to be saved by New York City police officers. Two other men were later arrested, and all three were convicted in Malcolm's death. Phil Bertelson and Nyla Sims produced the documentary. The FBI had eyewitness testimony from presumably the nine informants that were in the room that day about who did the crime. 
Talmadge Hayer confessed, but the other men, Thomas Johnson and Norman Butler, who changed his name to Muhammad Aziz, maintained their innocence. Aziz, now 81, spent 20 years in prison. If I wanted to do it, I couldn't have done it. So that means they knew what they were doing when they put me in jail. The Manhattan DA's office recently announced it's opened a preliminary review of the murder. What do you hope happens here for him? I hope he gets exonerated. I hope he gets a, a fighting chance at clearing his name once and for all. A fighting chance to set the record straight and rewrite history. Maurice Dubois, CBS News, New York. Tonight, newly released body cam video shows an intense shootout last December. This was the chaotic scene. Officers firing multiple rounds at two suspects who killed a police detective before targeting a kosher market in New Jersey, killing three people. The attackers were killed in the gun battle. Tonight, a 59-year-old truck driver is in critical condition after a fiery wreck in Indiana. Adriana Diaz met today with a hero Hoosier who gives proof to the saying, the strength of a mother is second to none. When Holly McNally saw the wall of flames, she ran toward it. Um, I saw him coming out of the huge plume of smoke with fire coming off of his head and his back. But he had nothing left on him but his boots. The fire had burned his clothes down. Everything. And I said, what's hitting my feet? And he said, jet fuel. And at that point, I said, oh my gosh, you guys, we have got to hustle because this fire is going to follow us. What made you run toward danger? I mean, everybody else was staying back. A maternal instinct. McNally had just given birth to her fourth child five days ago, a son named Connor. Trooper Chris Hansen arrived as McNally and two other Good Samaritans were dragging the driver away just before a second explosion. Three selfless people took enough initiative to say this, not today, not, not on our watch. What are you going to tell your baby boy when he grows up? That mommy was tough that day and he was my driving force to save a life plus get back to him. Tell him mommy was a hero. Like I said, that's what I'll tell him myself. Like I said, Aww. to be proud. Proud because she risked her life to save a stranger. Adriana Diaz, CBS News, Indianapolis. Ask any kid what they want for their birthday, and chances are they'll say a puppy. Well, not the kid you're about to meet. He's drawn to the pets that are forgotten by others. Here's Steve Hartman on the road. Eight-year-old Robbie Gay loves an underdog. Hey. Bring him to the Flagler County Humane Society in Palm Coast, Florida, as we did, and ask him to find a favorite. Can I get in here? He will seek out the oldest, mangiest, least adoptable mutt of the lot. There's something about old dogs but I just like. Do you see yourself in these dogs? Yes, sir. He knows what it feels like not to be loved and cared for. He's the most hopeful, optimistic, and genuinely caring kid who has absolutely no reason to be that way. Robbie's adoptive mom, Maria, says before he entered the foster system, Robbie was a holy terror. So badly abused, he was twice hospitalized with brain injuries. Then, two years ago, Maria and her husband, Charles, adopted him. It was just a good day. What did that day mean to you? Everything. He has come a long way, except in this one respect. Maria says he could not cry. Despite the horrors of his past, or maybe because of them, the kid was a stone. Until earlier this month. 
One of Robbie's old dogs, Buffy, had to be put down. He wanted to hold her till the very end and insisted his mom take pictures of the process, perhaps because he knew what was about to happen. After Robbie finally let go, he told his mom, I know how it feels not to be loved or cared for, and I don't want any animal of mine to feel that way. Nor does he want any foster kid to feel that way. Because people don't want older people and older dogs. They only want babies and puppies. He is so aware that it could have gone totally differently for him. And in these older dogs, Robbie's found a place to practice compassion. Someday, Robbie wants to adopt older foster children himself. And go up and knock on the door. But until then, to show his commitment and do what he can, he has vowed to adopt as many old dogs as his parents will allow. Do you love her? Today, it's a lame, snaggletooth shih tzu named Molly. Molly's owner had to go into assisted living, but now Molly has a new home, thanks to the sweet little boy who sees his reflection in the eyes of the suffering. Steve Hartman, on the road, near Palm Coast, Florida. Practicing compassion. Next week on the CBS Evening News, we'll be in South Carolina for our CBS News Democratic Debate, taking a look at an innovative way to bring health care to those who need it. And if you can't watch live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. And that is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell. We'll see you Monday from Charleston. Have a good weekend. Good night. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings early and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.